Hey everybody, and welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 347, being recorded on April 29th, 2015. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malmontano. I always really appreciate Josh's enunciation yeah. during the intro part. It's, and enthusiasm. <laughs> it, it quickly falters throughout the show, like it eventually <laughs> is gone. Yep. Uh, but you, you got to start out at least high so that when you get down to the mid-range, it's... It's not totally awful. Uh, so welcome back, everyone. I assume everybody, we took two weeks off the podcast, right? You guys no. surely didn't record anything Yes. while I was gone. We did. You, you made people, we'll admit to. You we made, made people, people cry. listen to that? We made people cry. Oh, that's unfortunate. We're like high school bullies. Uh, so I apologize for being gone. Uh, two weeks ago, I was on uh, a family trip playing golf in Hilton Head. It was cold and rainy the last half of it. But, you know, whatever, I was gone. And then last week, I was in London uh, Learning stuff. And I, and I was at my hotel room when you guys record the podcast, but apparently it's 3 a.m. Oh. When I record the podcast. Or so big shout out to our listeners in the U.K. who stay up that stinking yeah, late. no joke. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully there are none of you. We'll check the statistics. There, there are. There, there won't are be any now that they know that you just slept through it. So. Oh, hell yeah, I did. Uh, like. Because I slept through meetings on the first day, so I felt like not doing that again. That's true. Um, in any event, so we're back. I don't think we have... Uh, uh, Anything super exciting out of the world on this podcast this week? We're going to talk about... I mean, nothing super crazy. Well, actually, I take that back. We're going to talk about eight next-generation AMD CPUs eventually, too. This podcast that is we Josh have, Tech. That we have some information on. But we already had two weeks of, like, Josh Tech, right? No. Not really? No, not really. Josh wrote the most content this week. Wow. Well, that's a first. Make sure it never happens again. Well, I do kind of want to get paid for this month. So That's I true. Cram it in That's all true. We're, we're, back. we're getting close to the end of April where checks would come out. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this one. I wasn't very active in the writing. Holy shit, it's the last week. <laughs> Word count of six. So, uh, and that's hip chat comments. Uh, all right. So, here you go. Uh, we record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, 3 a.m. UK time. I, now I know. Is that, <laughs> now that you know. Is that GMT? No, I don't think so. Uh, no, I think I it's like no. I think it uses the word London in it. Yeah, it's not GMT. GMT uh, is one more. It's a few. East. It's, is it just one more? It's like cuts over. Is that yeah. country big enough to have two time zones? No, no, no. But no. I just think that yeah. it's called London because the rest of the country doesn't matter. But Greenwich is in England. Is it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was thinking yeah. Lord, it's, it's Greenwich it Mean in, Time. It's a stinking. So does it have two time zones? In the south of England. Because it's definitely not called GMT. Are you like, thinking UTC? Nope. Hmm. I might be, but they don't call it GMT over there. I don't know. In any event, it's 3 a.m. there-ish. No, it's, oh, it's GFT. The what? fucking time. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, no, no. Well, I mean, they're the guys who invented it, so, I mean, they oh, got the advantage of time. That's why. British okay. summertime, the chat room is telling to them. Just, British the, summertime. To them, okay. they don't care about the time BST. zone, is Josh's point. He's BS, like, correct. BS time. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, we'll go with that. Sure. Uh, we, do, we do so when we record it. When we do, whatever time it is that we record it, we do so at pcper.com slash live, 
which uh, you can subscribe to an email list here, and we'll let you know when we're going to stream things, when we're going to. And sometimes, most of the time, it's the podcast, but other times we have other streaming events. We have a couple of those lined up for the month of May already. Um, Logitech's going to come out here towards the end of May, tell us all about some of the new technologies they're working on, do some really cool demos, give away a bunch of hardware. We got, we got our mouse pad ready. We've got our giant mouse for- pad <laughs> ready for them to test whatever speed mouse yes. they want to get into. Uh, but if you go to pcper.com slash subscribe, you can sign up for a mailing list. All we need is your name and email address, and all we do is send you an email uh, when we are announcing those specific events when they're going to occur. So that way you get a little reminder and you make sure you don't miss any of the cool stuff that uh, we happen to produce on a somewhat regular basis, I guess I'll say. Oh, and a quick reminder. I, Jeremy, do you remember the exact date of the next VLAN? I did forget to... 30th, May. Is it May 30th? And it's in May. I know it's towards the end of it, but uh, keep that in mind. Go to the, go to the P, uh, forums.pcper.com and go to the gaming section. You'll see a VLAN announcement thread, but we'll talk more about it in the coming weeks as we build up to that as well. Those are always a lot of fun. Let's get into some stuff. First up, an ECS motherboard review written by Mori, the very simply named Z97PK. Well, we often complain about obtuse model numbers that Gigabyte yeah. has out there. Yeah. We're complaining about a model number that an Acer laptop that we're working on has. Mm-hmm. This is the Z97PK. That's it. That's it. You know, two letters Not is probably... Not Subin? Two letters no. is probably plenty to put at the end after Z97. And you can pretty much cover, you know, like hundreds of combinations there with just a couple of letters. Uh, 26 times 26? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're pretty good. You could do that. I'm yeah. not going to do that math, but I can tell you what. That's a lot. Uh, it's, it's more than 100. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this is a it's a budget Z97 MATX motherboard, right? So this is it's using the high end chipset, but it has an MSRP of just seventy nine dollars. I think a couple of weeks ago we looked at another kind of low cost Z97 platform as well. I um, mean, you can tell kind of just looking at <clears throat> excuse me some of the pictures here, like where they where it differentiates from the high end stuff, right? So you can see like there's missing uh, uh, that looks like. That's just like a PCI slot, isn't it? No, it's a PEG slot. No. Is it? Yep. No, wait. Uh, no, no it's, it's a PCI. Three of them, a 16X, yeah, yeah. a 16X electrical that's 4X, and then a single. Right, right. But there's there's pinout for one here, and I think that's a legacy yeah, PCI, PCI. PCI. And you can tell when you look at the back uh, configuration, you've got VGA, you've got DVI, you've got HDMI, uh, PS2. You've is only that, got two uh, USB 3.0. Is that like not Intel gigabit? I'm guessing. I would say surely not. Since it's so low cost. It says Realtek. Realtek, Realtek, gigabit fast Ethernet. Yeah, so, you know, that's, you know, they got to cut some corners. It's fine. Yeah, but it's not going to, it's not a drastic. No, it's Realtek. Realtek's fine. Like an Intel Gigi controller is really head and shoulders above the rest. No, 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 it's not. It's not. not. You're right. Uh, It does have two-way multi-graphics support, although I don't know if I saw SLI listed specifically. Did did we see that? Well, the other slot is a by four electrical. So Uh, okay. Well, then it would only really support Crossfire. Yeah, because Nvidia blocks out by four PCI Express slot support in their driver. So and Crossfire might not be that pleasurable with only a by four, right? If if it's I don't I don't know if if that by four is actually coming from the processor, it's probably fine. Okay. But probably it's, it's coming from the Southie, which is not so fine. You think you think it would be coming from that? I would mm, think the I buy think so. one might be, but the, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to see the uh, 
either way, it's not an ideal situation, especially if you're using high uh, high resolution. The bit larger the resolution, larger frame size that has to go across. Yep. That is when you might actually run into some issues. So it's a small board. It's kind of like your plain, basic brown PCB. Remember those? Look at the size of that heat sink. Yeah. I, I miss those brown PCBs. Hey, how about that uh, CMOS battery placement? Huh? Even with oh, a yeah, large video right card in, you can, you can take it out. Yeah, unless, unless you, unless you have a, a really big cooler. Yeah, on your well, Mori doesn't use big coolers. Come on, no, not. of course not. Uh, I mean, pretty simplistic designs here. You still, I mean, the the thing that's interesting about this is like, I look at all the systems that we use around our office, with only you know a couple of exceptions, and hey, it's got four DIMM slots, and hey, it's got six SATA ports. That covers uh, and pretty it, much and it whatever we're doing. A full size graphics card. Yeah, and it's got Z97 chipset, which is probably unnecessary for people who aren't overclocking and doing a lot of tweaking. Right. Um, it does only have a by 4 ATX 12-volt connection, like supplementary power. Sure. sure, But again, if you're not doing overclocking, then... Yeah, you, you know, don't really need it that bad. Sure, right. Um, you probably get a little bit overclocking. And of course, Mori does not use large heat sinks. No, no way. So <laughs> these no. pictures don't... I mean, they're they're just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So oh, keep going. Take a look at the installed video card. <laughs> it's in there. It works. Oh, oh look at the si- look at the other profile. So, what were you saying about is... getting to that CMOS battery? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's uh, yeah, it's not accessible to Mori. No, nope. fail. One day I want to re- look through one of his reviews and just see like a tiny ass heatsink that he like yeah. just pulls a joke on everybody. Like, yeah, like oh. a one U heatsink. Yeah, it's just like this yeah. super, you know. Yeah, you know, so I mean, it's it's very basic, very minimal included accessories, very minimal. Like, ECS doesn't have a, a huge software suite like ASUS does. I mean, you can look at some of like their tuning, right? And it's that's but, about as plain as you can get for motherboard. They have overclocking and tweaking capability. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, there's there whether or not you use it or not. It's better than nothing, but again, not by the, much. Type of, <laughs> the type of system you're using probably not particularly uh, earth-shattering. But again, it's like $79 motherboard, This right? is a $79 retail yeah. motherboard. Uh, and it's still got overclocked up to 4.7 gigahertz, um, although I think he was unable to change off the 100 megahertz base clock. What is the typical cost of a CPU that you would plug into that board? Well, I mean, typical... Z97? Like, what's a low-cost Z97? Well, it's going to be 110 through Haswell 330. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it it, it performs well. Uh, it's unless you have the Pentium. Apparently, it's on Newegg for sixty four ninety nine after a rebate. Even better. Uh, yeah, sixty four ninety nine after a fifteen dollar rebate. So you get that. You can get a um, low cost Haswell part. What's that one you were ch- talking about before? Uh, Ken, it was a Xeon part yeah, actually. The E three twenty something like twenty one. I don't. Apparently, remember. there's a Xeon part that a lot of people are using now. That's like a quad core, like Xeon low end stuff. Huh. Uh, that's quad core hyper threaded yeah. without integrated graphics. That's fairly low cost. It's like that's great. Two hundred thirty bucks, I think. So it's 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 lo- a little bit lower clock speeds than the forty seven seventy k, right? And forty seven ninety k. Yeah. But um, you know, and then you're limited a little bit in how you can overclock it because you're you limited a change, lot. You can't right. change the multiplier. Well, that's true. So why do why do you want to do that? Well, because you're getting the quad core hyper threaded performance. Oh, that's true. For a lower a, cost, a, like hundred and twenty dollars less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So instead of getting the i5, you're getting the yeah. actual yeah. true quad quad core hyper threaded part. Yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. So uh, <laughs> no SAT Express M.2 ports. You wouldn't expect that on a board this price. Uh, right. And like you said, no in, no way to to overclock. 
even though it is a Z97 chipset, so you kind of have a little bit of an expectation of what you should be able to overclock with. Not really getting past 100 megahertz on that base clock. It did earn a silver award from Mori. So if you're if you are looking for low cost platforms for a Haswell processor based that's, system, that's pretty much it. You know, 80 bucks as low as oh, 65. Oh, look, look at that power su- supply. That's what three phase. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Ow. Yep. Yeah. Not overclocking friendly. Not overclocking boy. friendly. Inexpensive. Yep. So that's 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 a pretty interesting part. And I, I don't know if I've seen any other Z97 boards that low. Hmm. Probably there have been, but not that I, not that I know of. Uh, and other, we'll say, mainstream system news or product news, Lee did post a review of the Silverstone SFXL series. It's a 500-watt power supply. This is of the SFX form factor, which is... Um, small, as you can see here, but it's not as small as the SFX, so it's SFX long. Okay, I don't, I don't know if that's really what it stands for, but um, it it's is not a bolt-on adapter for fitting into an ATX system. Okay, so you don't have to have so, an SFX system. You to, exactly to fit it. Okay, okay. It's an interesting sort of go-between. So SFX is small, small form factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SFX was a form factor invented by Silverstone, I believe. Yeah, to um, be able to get power supplies in smaller cases with you know without having to yeah. conform to the AT- standard ATX sizes, right? Because right? um, even the smallest ATX power supplies are are going to be larger than that. So this is SFXL, which is kind of a, a step in between. Um, 500 watt. I think you can get SFX up to 500 watts maybe. They might have released a 600 watt recently as well. Uh, but it is rated at 500 watt continuous. Uh, it's 100% modular in terms of you know cables, flat ribbon style cables. 40 amps on the 12 volt rail on a single rail configuration there. You only get two PCIe 6 plus 2 pin connectors. Um, so, But that should be fine. I guess again, a 500 watt power supply is really targeting somebody's using a single GPU. Yep. And it does have a $99 MSRP. So again, in kind of the lower cost range for uh, a high quality power supply like this, and you can so see it would cost more than your motherboard. Yeah, yeah. The, the sixty-five dollar motherboard was just, you just picked up for yeah. this. I was about to say this might be good to pair with that motherboard until you said the price. Absolutely. You know, like, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and you can take a look at like you get an idea of the size of the power supply, just kind of like comparing it to the size of the ATX power connector right next to it. it, it it's a small, small power supply. Yeah, it's not tiny, but it's small. And here's the adapter that uh, Jeremy was mentioning. To uh, mount it to a standard ATX, just a little bit, um, a little bit bigger than 120, mil- 120 millimeter uh, case fan. Yeah, right? I mean, like you know, Silverstone. When I saw these at uh, CES, uh, I mean, yeah, they're they're really small. I mean, they're pretty dense and heavy, and they don't make a huge amount of noise, which is nice. But yeah. uh, they were really proud of of how compact they're able to make these things, and uh, you know, the price is a little bit higher, but their efficiency is good. And uh, the build quality is is kind of second to none. Yeah, Silverstone has been doing power supplies for as long as I've been doing PC work, right? Yeah. Um, and they and they were kind of they were one of the first. I don't want to say the first, but one of the first to kind of get into the idea of high performance, high quality, meant for enthusiast type power supplies. We used Silverstones on our CPU and GPU test beds for quite a long time. Um, back in the Back in the 2000s, I guess I'll say. Uh, it's just, you can see some of the internal circuitry here. Again, large capacitors, uh, lots of copper. There's some of that glue to keep things from vibrating, Alan. As we copper. History with here. Glue. 
Yeah, we'll go with glue. Uh, so pretty good results here. Uh, good efficiency. Again, as Lee says here, it's uh, combines 500 watts and combined DC output. The small form factor market in an extended chassis. Uh, Fan was, doesn't kick on till about 250 watt load. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, it, it, it appears so. You get a five-year warranty uh, on some of their power supplies, but this one only comes with a three-year warranty. Hmm. So that's a, a, kind of, a, of a, a downside to it as well. I'm trying to... I'm trying to it's been, I don't like price search power supplies very often, but I'm trying to figure out if $99 is... Like, what can you get for 99 bucks if you go with a full-size ATX? Half again the power. Maybe yeah. 750 Yeah. For a decent okay. seven fifty, but it won't be uh, mostly silent. It might not be fully modular, but yeah. then again, if you want that in a full sized one, you, sure. you're paying a premium. It's, so I mean, Lee, Lee does put a picture here of like this is the small form factor implementation of that power supply, right? So what is this? This is the is this that Corsair case? I can't tell which case this is now. Um, jam-packed full of stuff. Oh, oh I remember that geez. picture from something. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that's a Silverstone case. Is yeah, I think so. Maybe. I can't remember. That was a or, build he did for a Power Supply review, right? Uh, it wasn't I like thought. Cube or something, was it? It may be that Cooler Master. The Elite, maybe? Yeah, there he is. CM Elite 110. Oh, there you go. The ITX hmm. case. Yeah, we're using one of Silverstone's SFX. Uh, so again, another silver award product here. Weaknesses of three-year warranty and a relatively high price for a 500 watt power supply, as Josh mentioned. But uh, you know, you get the size advantages, sound level advantages uh, uh, over some of the other options out there. So, if you're interested in a small form factor power supply, check out that review from Lee. Now, we're going to talk about an ARM processor. The mm-hmm. upcoming Cortex A72. This is a new architecture, new design, uh, based off the A57. You would say, right, Josh? For sure. Yes, heavily massaged, just like that phone that you're continually spinning. I like to spin the phone with your left hand. I like to spin it. You know, you should put a little, uh, you know, a money bucket every time you spin the phone. You drop some money in, and next time we show up in Vegas. We spend that on. I was going to say that we things. create a, a bucket, and as many times as I turn it, other people have to donate a dollar. <laughs> so it's like it's like when I go when I used to go door to door and say, "Hey, I'm going to do a walkathon for cancer." When I was in school, you owe me a dollar for every lap I take around the gym, and I think this is really equivalent. Only the money can go to our gambling. And people will think you go to spin class. <laughs> think sure. before you do this. I, I don't care what they think as long as I get their money. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, with you. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, spin away then. So tell us about the Cortex A72, Joshua. Well, we had heard about this a couple of months back. Mm-hmm. I think back in February they released some of the initial specifications of the Cortex A72, but essentially it was the name, some very basic specifications saying that it's going to be more power efficient, it's going to be more performance, and that's all we're willing to tell you right now. Yep. Well, they had an editor's day over in London that you uh, went to and and heard about and wrote about in Wyoming, in Laramie, <laughs> in the snow. That's unfortunate. It was, uh, I will tell you, I will, just to make you feel a little better, it did only get up to like 64 over there. Yeah, I, I got to suffer through uh, 
two days of multi sixty car plus pileups on either side of Laramie due of, to of the, the weather. Road. Yeah, so that was <laughs> I had, apparently due to a I Canadian had, even. Yeah, I, I I had that going for me. That so was that just was sad. nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, a seventy two is is not a radical redesign, but it is a significant redesign. It is an ARM V8A based processor, so it's 64-bit. It is along the lines of the A57, but it is supercharged in terms of not just performance, but power efficiency. Um, Even using the same process technology, we see massive increases in power efficiency, which will also turn into more performance when you equalize the amount of power delivered to the to the SOC. So essentially they've taken the A57, they have gone through every module and execution unit and have optimized that. They've created a, a much more dense product. So in ways this is kind of like what AMD was talking about with their their HD uh uh, design libraries mm. that they uh, applied to the excavator core in Carrizo, and they've done this with ARM. And this is not only a redesign, but they're 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 utilizing the latest 14 nanometer and 16 nanometer products from Global Foundries, Samsung, and of course TSMC with their 16 nanometer FinFET. Um, performance looks to be really, really, really good. Uh, not only are each individual core uh, looking to be pretty fast, but the overall uh, SOC, when you have more than one core, whether that be four or eight, uh, they've really beefed up the interconnects. They've done so much for these that it looks like A72 is going to be a really stinking fast ARM processor. Now, how that compares to something like, you know, the Core i5 or Core i7s, which are you know anywhere from 35 watts up to 90 sure. or 87 watts at this time, we're not entirely sure. And even even more important to that is that Cortex A72 won't be in a shipping product for probably a year. Uh, so you really need to talk about what they're going to compete against is something like Skylake, right? Just, yeah, yeah. But ARM has something going for him, and that's. The architecture it is designed from the get-go to be very low power but still pretty good performance now Intel and AMD their x86 designs have always been kind of high performance that they're trying to get them into low power and they've done okay with that but the uh, the, the cutbacks and and the compromises that mm-hmm. they've had to do to get those get to those uh, wattages have have not been entirely friendly in terms of overall performance and this is just you know a, a cisc type processor that has you know risky type features internal to the core versus a pure risk processor which doesn't have to go through nearly as many hoops to get that kind of power efficiency and and performance so mm-hmm. a72 looks to be a really interesting Part again, it's not going to show up until 2016, and we don't know exactly when. It could be the first part of the year, it could be second quarter, it could sure. be second half. Uh, but going for ARM is that they have been improving 
from the last several generations of when they announce a product to when we actually see shipping products. So they have the AS72 designed out. It has design rules for both TSMC 16 nanometer and Samsung's 14 nanometer. So it's now up to their licensees to take these products, verify them, rent out some fab space, and and start production in a reasonable amount of time. Um, that's going to be the interesting thing here. Yeah, of they, course. They, keep keep in mind the A72 is going to be a flagship part that's really targeting like the flagship high-end smartphones, mm-hmm. tablets, and also their kind of server inroads that they're trying to make, right? So Yeah, um, the high-density blade servers yep. which will utilize these chips. Yep, and, and and so it's 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 interesting to think about it, right? Because on on the on the mobile side, we know ARM is kind of the they're the incumbent, right? They're the leader in all of these markets, whether it be in a Qualcomm custom chip, an ARM custom chip, or you know an off-the-shelf core uh, that we see in other designs. Uh, but in the server market, it, it was interesting to get some feedback from them on what customers like PayPal, for example. I wrote this in the in the story that PayPal is is one of the customers, their kind of flagship customer that's up and running with ARM-based servers. Um, they're using the HP Moonshot system, Correct. which is the the blade style, and you know they're they're talking about specific numbers, and these are numbers from PayPal, not ARM, is what they keep telling us, and it's like nine x lower cost of entry, you mm-hmm. know, like four x higher density, six x lower power consumption per year, that type of thing for certain workloads like real time analytics, yep. uh, and that type of stuff. So, but it's interesting to think about. How will an A72 core be able to compete against something like what was the recently announced? Was Xeon D? Is that the one that was like an atom-based core Xeon part, right? Or even up to uh, you know some of the lower wattage Skylake parts um, when those start shipping. So you know it was interesting if you look back a year ago, two years ago, especially. ARM server story was this kind of big, it's going to take over the world mm-hmm. thing. Now it seems to be much more modulated. It seems to be much more tempered, but they are still kind of aggressively approaching that that field. And the A72 is interesting because it's going to attack kind of both of those fields. And I also found it interesting that in one of the slides on the first page, we saw that they're going to pair the A72 with A53 for their big little combinations as opposed to coming up with a you know, another A70 or something like that, some other kind of core to match along with it. We're used to kind of seeing, you know, 57 and 53 go together uh, for big, little, that type of stuff. So A50 and an A7. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's kind of like a, I don't want to say generational shift, but yeah. something to that effect. So, I, yeah, I came away from it, and, and I talked with several people there, that are more ingrained in the ARM ecosystem than I am, that don't work for ARM, uh, that actually that really do believe that the A72 is going to be a fantastic success part based on its performance, based on its efficiency, based on where it will come in with the new process technology as well. Um, so we'll see. Certainly, certainly for handhelds, uh, when when they start popping down the the uh, the power, mm-hmm. then you get just as good a performance as flagships, but you're going to get in, get around 35 to 50 percent better battery life, and so that's, I mean, uh, how fast are these stinking things right now? And you know, you can go a day with decent usage, yeah. But uh, you know, instead I you have know. a day and a half to two days. 
of, of battery life. I'm also curious to see – so it's not really a secret at this point that Qualcomm has had issues with their 810, Snapdragon 810, and a lot of phones – a lot of claims of phones overheating and not working right now. Those those Qualcomm parts were using off-the-shelf A57 plus A53 designs, right? Um, plus their Adreno graphics. Right. Uh, will those go away when Qualcomm finally implements its kind of custom 64-bit version of those parts? Uh, will A72 improve those pro- – those, uh, not those problems, but improve those situations, right, where when will people – not run into the same issues. I don't know if the Qualcomm issue is directly related to 5753, or maybe it is the GPU itself. Um, but I'm well, certain- I mean, modern SOCs are complex anyway. You may license all of yep. these parts from somebody, and then you throw in some of your own secret sauce, and next thing you know, it's just not working like you were hoping it to, and you've got this multi-billion transistor SOC that. Yep. And I think the process technology has a lot to do with it, right? My guess yeah. is when they were starting the 5753, they were kind of thinking we would already be at 1614. Um, and maybe that didn't happen, and the move back to 20 was more disadvantageous than people expected. So, I don't know. It's it's a, a good write-up on the A72 if you're curious about kind of what crap goes into your fancy smartphone that you keep in your pocket uh, or tablet you have sitting on your desk worth a, a look and we'll have uh we're gonna have some more stuff going on in the next couple of weeks with arm as well uh so stay tuned for that now uh contest uh, if you got if you signed up for our live email i mentioned a contest take our stuff please this is actually a continuance of a contest from last month where nobody wanted to take all the hardware <laughs> so last month we partnered with hardware canucks on a youtube video contest thing where we gave away a whole bunch of stuff Right, first place got, I don't know, a lot of crap. And this, uh, a lot of people signed up, and then when well, the we had a was lot done, of comments, a lot of people subscribed. Yeah, yeah. And the issue, as it turned out, was uh, YouTube's messaging system is awful. That's true. Nobody uses Google Plus. That's also true. And those were the two ways I had of contacting people who commented on YouTube. So, literally, I picked fifteen winners over the course of like two weeks. Yep. I had a total of two responses of those 15 people. One of them lived in England uh, when, I, when the part of the contest rules were very clearly... Who's probably watching right now. He's probably watching, very upset. At 3 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's really upset. It then. was very clearly a U.S. and Canada-only contest. We were very upfront about that. Yep. So the one person who won, this is actually good news for him, the one person who lived in the U.S. and responded actually was the third-place winner. Okay. But because he was the only guy nice enough to respond... We bumped him up to first place. All right. So he's going to get all the cool stuff. But we still have a couple of collections to get rid of. Yeah, which are not shabby. Oh, heck no. No. So uh, if you go to PCPro.com, look for the title, Please Take This Hardware From Us. Yep. Uh, because now it's just sitting around and we just need to get rid of it. Look at the number of entries. Yeah, we've had a lot of people enter. Uh, so now, oh, wow! Look, look, it's a system. We're using we're that, using a Gleam.io system we can actually that requires track. you to send an email address <laughs> in order to sign up. All right, right. So we should not have this issue anymore. Thank goodness. I will say that we've already had people submit that live in England. I don't know if the people in the UK just see US and Canada and they go, ah, they mean us too. Like it's some kind of we used to own them. They can't possibly not send us prizes if we win, right? Tish tosh. Uh, so we all speak the same mother tongue. That's right. So you can win, like first prize. You still get 
an EVGA GTX 960, an Asus Maximus 7 Formula motherboard, an Asus Gladius mouse, a 1 terabyte Crucial BX100 SSD, a uh, Fantex cooler, and two Fantex fans. And then another winner will get a G- an EVGA GTX 960 as well as an Asus Gladius mouse. And all you have to do to enter is subscribe to PC Perspective on YouTube, subscribe to the Hardware Canucks channel on YouTube, watch a video, and watch a video. All and right. so you can... Honestly, you can actually just choose to like if you only want to subscribe to PC Per, you can do that. It's worth one entry. You can basically get up to four entries. No, oh, that's pretty on this. sweet actually. So it's so it's kind of neat how it works. Now we'll probably use this for contests going forward because yeah. I'm not dealing with that crap ever anymore. Again. We're just so if if you see somebody that uh, is from Laramie, Wyoming, and is maybe a female, just go ahead and send them the stuff. Name is Josh. Her name is Joshina. send her. You mean send her the stuff, <laughs> Joshina? Exactly. All right, I haven't filled anything out. <clears throat> and if you've already subscribed to PC Per Hardware Canucks, then it will just validate your subscription, and then you will be entered. Oh. All right, so, well, that's cool, too. Yeah, so it works out well. So please go enter that. Go to PCPer.com. Search for Please Take This Hardware. You will, uh, you will find that contest there, and please enter. Or go to PCPer.com slash podcast and find the show notes for this episode. That might be an easier way for you to find that URL. Um. So, Josh, we have a couple AMD stories we're going to get to here no, as well. We don't. Do we want to reverse this order? Do we want to talk about the roadmap before the Zen or the Zen before the roadmap? You know, it doesn't matter, but I, I let's just go with the Zen. All right, we'll talk about the Zen. So, AMD Zen diagram leaks, but not the not the circles. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a not the circles. Oh, that would be a Venn diagram. It's a Venn diagram. Zen close, is pretty damn close. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So Zen is their next generation CPU architecture, the one that we uh, have been hearing about for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, but some a little bit of information weaseled its way onto the web. Yeah, it seems that uh, AMD is having a an analyst, a financial analyst meeting in May sixth. That's what the bottom of the slideshow presentation <laughs> says. I and I'm hilarious. I'm thinking that's fine. And it compares and contrasts the latest excavator core mm-hmm. that is found in the upcoming Carrizo chip, mm-hmm. and it, it compares it to Zen. Now, Zen is supposedly a, a more simplified, a more traditional type CPU in that it doesn't go with the CMT or the, the core multi-threading which we saw with the bulldozer and, and its variants where you've got two integer cores and, and a shared floating point right. and a bunch of other shared uh, front end parts that we found out just didn't work very well for, for IPC or scaling of performance. So they're kind of going back. Now some people are calling this the Phenom 3 and that's not exactly true. As we know, Jim Keller Damn came it. back from uh, Apple after making the rounds to several different places like PA Semi and, and AMD before. Uh, so it's kind of a big circle. And I think the, the, the push was, hey, let's go back to what works. We're not going to get too terrible fancy because we have fallen so far behind trying to polish up this architecture that some people call bad words for good reason, because AMD has not had some really good quarters lately based on this architecture. And that's an understatement. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it looks like a much beefier implementation. The first thing we know is that it's got, you know, six integer pipes, 
and we don't know how many of those are address generating units versus uh, just execution units. Um, we know that the floating point has been beefed up as well. Mm -hmm. It's two uh, FMAC 256-bit units. There's some speculation that they could work together to provide a single 512-bit AVX instruction, but that, obviously, looking at this small, simple block diagram, that's a bit of a stretch yeah. because even Intel right now has two 256-bit AVX units that Correct. do not fuse into one 512-bit. Oh, they don't? Not yet, at least. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we can glean a couple of things from here. It looks like that they really are focusing on better IPC. Uh, four of these cores can be put in one module that will share 8 megs of L3 cache, and you can put multiple of these modules together, just like kind of Bulldozer and its, uh, its brood did in the past. But each one will have you know 512K of L2 cache. And something else that came out is that they are going away from exclusive cache. Now, Bulldozer, I believe, had kind of strange mix of inclusive versus exclusive, but this looks to be you know, a fully inclusive design. So I think it's 128K of L1 cache divided in between data and instruction, and that is mirrored in the L2 cache, which is 512K, right. and then that is mirrored into the L3 cache. So you've got essentially two megs of L3 cache that is just all mirrored from right. L1 and L2, which right. is not necessarily a bad thing because Intel has been doing that and doing it well for yeah. I mean the that's that's a decade. That's a basic CPU design decision. Inclusive, yeah, exclusive, yeah. It's it's very there's trade offs for both. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you yes, you wait, you waste cache space, mm -hmm. but the implementation overall is is much simpler and apparently more efficient overall especially considering you've got 8 megs of L3 cache to play with because you've got 6 megs of still to do whatever you want with in terms of data which right. for guys like Jeremy 6 megs is more than enough you'll never oh, need God, more than yeah. 6 megs of cache oh, it's crazy you got plenty left over <laughs> so what was yes. the uh, what was this last bit is it so uh, the do, what am I trying to say here? Gone will be the days of it's a quad core, or it's an eight core. No, it's really a quad core. No, it's really an eight core, right? We'll, Hopefully, we'll, we won't right. have that debate anymore. Well, we're still going to have that because they're moving from CMT to SMT. So each core will handle two threats. So you've got well quad core that'll handle eight threats, just like sure. Intel. And at the high end, you're going to have, you know, at least on the desktop, you're going to have two quad cores with 16 threads, which is kind of nice, which we'll go into yeah. soon. But I guess what I mean is they're not sharing fundamental compute resources like the bulldozer setup did. No, right? no, they are not. They're moving away from that. So it looks like that they really are focusing on integer and floating point performance and moving away from, you know, kind of the double int and shared floating point of, of the previous bulldozer modules. Gotcha. I, what is your, uh, let's say, level of expectation after you see this data? Well, considering where AMD has been <laughs> since the release of Bulldozer, I think expectations are high that they can at least 
move past that type of performance. They don't mention anything here about clock speeds or anything quite yet. Um, I mean, you know, they can boost IPC as much as they want, but whatever they do with IPC, they have to balance it out with clock speeds. So you can have, you know, these these pipelines that have, let's say, eight stages, but you're going to be limited in clock speed to, let's say, two gigahertz, and you're still eating up 65 to 95 watts of power. So, I mean, they break up that, that pipeline to 16 stages, and you can increase the, the clock speed and still stay within that TDP, but it's, it's a really fine balance between IPC and overall performance and, and getting that balance right. And so far, you know, Intel has done very, very well in that. And AMD, with Bulldozer, they kind of went back to Intel's Pentium 4, where, hey, clock speed is king, and we can just extract more performance by jacking up the clock speed and suddenly they're looking at it and it's like, hey, we can't get past 4 gigahertz effectively unless we have a 220-watt TDP part. <laughs> 225 again? Oh, no. Uh, all right, so that is what we know about Zen today. Uh, Josh, if you were the walrus... Cuckoo-cachoo. Would you tell me about sticks? <laughs> sticks. You know, other than that really awesome 70s and 80s band, no, I can't. Okay. Well, yeah. we can tell we can tell you a little bit about the processor side because not only did they have a Zen leak, but they had I, I'm assuming from basically the same slide deck, 2015, 2016 roadmaps come out as well. Yeah, this is actually kind of a more interesting thing than the uh, than the block diagram of of Zen. We knew what Zen kind of was. We didn't know some specifics, but we knew essentially what we we're going to expect. Uh, but this tells us a little bit more information. It, it, we see what's going to be in the 2015 roadmap going from, uh, you know, on the mobile side and the desktop side. Desktop side, well, I guess we can start with the mobile side first. And I've got to get this I up just, just on what my, I brought up. Uh, the roadmap. And, of course, we've got Carrizo. Not Chorizo, but Carrizo coming Damn up. Damn it. And that's going to be the top mobile APU. Now, they have done a lot of things with Carrizo. It looks like it's going to be a pretty significant jump in efficiency. It may not be huge in performance, but their efficiency is, is going to get them a lot closer where they may sell a lot more products than what we have seen lately with their lower power and mobile type applications. So it's going to have you know, a, 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 a solid GCN compute unit. It's going to be lower power. It's still 28 nanometer. It's going to be a full SOC. And interesting, it's going to say uh, share the same socket infrastructure, though I, I don't really want to say socket. It's the FP4 BGA. Mm-hmm. And we'll share that with the Carrizo L APU, which is based on the Puma Plus CPU cores, which is their low power. And we're talking 10 watt to 15 watt in these type of applications. GCN graphics unit, AMD secure processor. And, uh, again, it's going to share a lot of the same infrastructure as the full-size Carrizo. Mm. So people, you know, OEMs who have, you know, a couple of levels of low-end laptops, they don't have to change a whole lot of things to go from one to the other just because they all share a lot of the same infrastructure, which we have not seen from AMD. I'm not a huge uh, fan of – yeah, that that is good. I'm not a huge fan of calling it Carrizo L – but it fundamentally has a different CPU architecture than Carrizo, but whatever. Yeah, but those, you know, 
ever since you know Bobcat, Jaguar, those guys have been released, a lot of people have looked at those low power parts and said, "Why don't you scale these up and do it at the high end rather than this bulldozer architecture, which just seems like a dead end?" Which it is. It is. And so uh, I think that they have taken a lot of the lessons learned with Bobcat, Jaguar, Puma Plus, all of these architectures, and uh, are applying that to Zen. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to see some of the last iterations of these older generations of products. Right. And so Carrizo L is that. I'm going to be interesting to see what it does because I've got you know an AM1 processor and motherboard behind me that performed really well considering how little power True. it drew. I like I like um, the green box under here, the Amur. Uh, um, uh, Amur? Amur. Amur. I think so. Amur. Uh, this is going to be AMD's first ARM offering. It's core, based on an A57 yeah. core. It's going to be low power. We're with, talking with AMD graphics. So this is not just like a oh we're going to take Molly and oh we're going to take A57. Yeah. Uh, no, this 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 is significant. This is yeah. the first ARM based AMD graphics since when uh, ATI sold off their. Uh, yeah, they're well, Adreno. The old Adreno to Qualcomm. What was it called before? Imagion. Imagion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's it's kind of significant. I mean, it's it is going to be Core A fifty seven. It's a licensed uh, CPU, mm-hmm. uh, but they're going to put that in an SOC. Yeah. And cut off this year. It's interesting. It's interesting though that the very next year they don't have an ARM core in that roadmap. Oh, they do though. Oh, K12. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's their custom version. That is their custom. So AMD not only licensed specific parts, but they licensed the ISA. And they're building their own custom core called the K12. And that will take over from Amur in 2016. It'll be a 14 nanometer S. Two of these K12 uh, cores. Next generation GCN, full HSA 1.0 support. It might be the first... ARM product mm. to feature HSA 1.0. We don't know that for sure yet. We still got, what, eight months left mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. 2015. A lot of things can happen. I, I will say that uh, at all of my ARM meetings, that that question has always come up, is what's your stance on HSA? And every single company, whether it be Qualcomm or ARM or MediaTek or whoever, has always said, eh, you know, whenever we get there, it's fine. Nobody has seemed to be very uh, aggressively targeting that. Yeah, because there's no software infrastructure Correct. for HSA at this time. There's no killer especially app. Especially not in the mobile side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if AMD can come in with HSA and say, hey, here's this open source camera and image filtering technology that can do all these amazing things, and I'm going to give it away for free, you bet your ass people are going to jump on that because cameras are about the only damn thing that differentiates cell phones yep. from one another anymore. And then uh, we've got Bristol Ridge and Basilisk. 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 Which I think is, You're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Which, which I think is the coolest code name of all the stuff we're looking at here. Yeah, and so Xan is taking over yep. the, the mobile. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very flexible part. They can do things in terms of process technology to allow for lower leakage and uh, you know better power consumption, but of course it'll come at the cost of clock speed. Right. So uh, Zen up to four on Crystal uh, Bristol Ridge, uh, next gen GCN 
HSA 1.0, True Audio, all these good things that uh, we hope to see in, in the mobile that will be a much more effective and competitive part from AMD. And certainly they will be closer in terms of process technology. Uh, not quite as good as what the Intel 14 nanometer second generation FinFETs will be, but we're getting to the point where process technology is is it's a big factor. But once they get to that point, it's there's so many compromises involved. Hmm. It's going to be design more than process technology that will really push somebody forward, and and this is what AMD is is really hoping for with these these Zen cores. Uh, well, and then of course the the Basilisk is uh, cut in half. I would imagine it's two cores with four megs of L3 cache. Whether or not it's a full design that way or they've disabled parts to get there, we have no idea. But what's impressive is that's a 5-watt to 15-watt part. Hmm. Previously, AMD couldn't get x86 down below 10 watts effectively. Yeah, they had BEMA that was 2.2-watt SDP, but it was running... So damn slow, it was non-competitive with a lot of the uh, the ARM tablets yeah, but low out power. there. What? Yeah, but low power. Yeah, low power and, and GCN graphics and yeah, nobody ever. How many how many BMA tablets have you seen? Ooh, it's pretty close to zero. I'm gonna go with zero. Yeah, yeah that would be zero pretty much. So well, what about uh, how does that compare to the desktop side of stuff? I guess the desktop, of course, is where. Things get interesting because we're enthusiasts. We like power. We like things that go fast, that Bumping produce heat. I was just Allow say. us to use really large heat sinks and fans <laughs> and not feel bad about it. Fair enough. So anyway, 2015 for, uh, for desktop, of course, uh, performance, it still kind of stinks because we've still got Piledriver, FX, yeah. AM3+. Plus, processors out there it's unchanged it's unchanged we're not going to see anything above the what 9590 9570 i can't remember the exact but that's you go for am3 plus you're you know that you've got a processor that will last the lifetime of the am3 plus socket there will be no upgrades coming anytime soon for that and that's fine uh Godavari. We've heard about that uh, for a little while. It's essentially a, a power and speed optimized Kaveri. Mm-hmm. It's not even HSA 1.0 compliant. It has HSA features, but it's not HSA 1.0. <laughs> so you're looking at about 100 to 200 megahertz of difference uh, between the different SKUs of the previous generation Kaveri and the Godavari. Mm. And finally, 2015, we've still got Bima. Heck yeah, you just talked that one up. Let's move on to 2016. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, of course, the most exciting is the Summit Ridge CPU. So they excited. have this listed as two Zen modules. So that's eight cores, 16 threads, running upwards of, well, we can only imagine 95 to 100 watt TDP. I hope. It's a, a new socket, FM3. And I'm assuming they're 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 doing FM3 because this will support DDR4 memory. I would think at so at this time. Yeah. yeah, it would make sense. Intel has blazed the route, the trail, 
with DDR4, and by that time, DDR4 prices will be at a point where AMD can latch on and say, hey, we've got it too. This is right. going to be perfectly fine. Sure. So you've got a, a, a product, a high-end processor, hopefully, that will have 8 cores, 16 threads, and 16 megs of L3 cache, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, from this point, a pretty solid processor technology and we can only hope that they are competitive with Intel in 2016 when this finally arrives. I and I think that certainly expectations are so low, it will surpass most other people's expectations. Whether or not they beat <laughs> Intel, I doubt they will. Yeah. But they will be more competitive with this architecture, I think. All right. They certainly can't go backwards. I mean, if they did, then everybody should be fired. Okay. No, I, I'm okay with that statement. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, the other two products on here are going to be Bristol Ridge and Basilisk for mainstream, essentially. And uh, we've already kind of went over those. So it's a, it looks like a pretty flexible architecture that they can do a lot of things. It's, it's modularized, but it's modular, modularized in a way that shouldn't detract from its overall performance. Yep. So we'll see. I, I- it's pretty interesting stuff. Like, we've been waiting for this for a long time. I think it's fair to say Zen was probably not supposed to be pushed back into 2016 when we first started hearing about it, right? No, I, I think when, when Keller came on, that was that was 2016 was when it's going to be ready. And mm. they were hoping sooner, but no. It, I mean, he they kind of just said, Zen is and, and our K-12 is, is going to be 2016. They never pushed it back. All right. We'll see what part... 2016, as it turns out, is a full calendar year. December. Uh, so it could be January <laughs> or it could be December. Mm-hmm. We'll could see. Be. Hopefully hopefully soon. Need them to be... We need them to survive to release Zen. Okay. And they shall. They've got yeah. cash on hand. And they've batted down the hatches. Cash money. But, but we'll past 2017, things look pretty sketchy. Let's hope Zen is a rousing success. Uh, let's go through a handful of news items here. NZXT announces the Noctis 450 Gaming Mid-Tower Enclosure. Uh, there you go. It is bold as back. It's striking Baby. looking case. Uh, based on the H440, it combines angular external construction. looks similar to the company's Phantom Enclosure Series, uh, but it has an identical interior to the H440. Uh, excellent cooling support from the previous model. Uh, it also adds a PWM fan controller for four fans. It includes the four fans, actually. Uh, further simplifying cooling for a build with this case. There's a fancy schmancy video of it available in white as well. This is another one of those cases that I enjoy that has no front optical bays because what are you doing with an optical drive? What, I love optical drives. What are you doing? Yeah. I've still got my Kenwood. <laughs> BD, uh, is it a, a BDR uh, HD DVD? True player? X Max. Okay. Exactly. It's, it's 56X CD <laughs> ROM. I had to, in fact, buy a PCI uh, a card to have a PATA connection that goes <laughs> yeah. to my Kenwood. But PCI, it's worth every not penny. PCI Express. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, this has an MSRP of $139.99. It apparently is available for available for pre-order from NZXT. I mean, look, it's got an angular CPU cutout tray. How much That's styling. How much more cool could you get? It's Ooh. edgy. I mean, Jeremy, do you need a case with an angular 
CPU cutout bay? Do you not? I think only Mori would. How could you not want that to Mori only show wants off a CPU when your cutout. case is open? <laughs> Mori wants a CPU cutout the size of the whole motherboard. So he can put the, the heat large heatsink through it. Yes. Wait, on no, both I got sides. It. They should put the CMOS battery on the back side where the cutout is. Oh, Ooh. there you go. That's the next million dollar idea. Man, you I'm going to edit loud. this out of the we're podcast. Live. No, we're live now. Oh, no, no, no. CMOS. It's out there now. No, you jacked up now. You are done. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's the, uh, what did I say? Noctis 450. Yep. Uh, Allen, Samsung Magician 4.6 and 840 Evo firmware update was throttled. Now it's not. What do we want to say yeah, about this? Yeah, came out. There wasn't like full speed you initially. You talked about the actual, like, wasn't, like, like, the actual changes last week, right? Yeah, we talked about okay. the changes. Because uh, I listen to the shows when I'm not. The, the gist of it is it's good. It brings the speed back to where it should be. And then they added an optimization, like an advanced optimization, which rewrites all the files on the drive. You know, if they were previously randomly written, it rewrites them sequentially. So that actually makes an SSD even faster. Hmm. That would apply to any SSD, not just like an 840 Evo, but. Hey, there's a button there now you can hit to make an 840 Evo maybe even faster than like a competing drive might be. You know, mm. competing drive that didn't have that button to hit, mm. right? Anyway, uh, so that's that's as far as the firmware goes. That's good. Um, it coming out kind of made some people grumpy because they throttled it, right? Um, they, they they throttled how many times it could be downloaded over a 24-hour period. Yeah, and then for those that tried to wise up and make mirrors of the Magician download, well, the firmware update itself had to get pulled from So Samsung. the download didn't include the firmware. The download was just a software, Yeah, and then it had to access the, the, the firmware, firmware file okay. and pull it down from Samsung, and that too, I guess, was throttled with no error message. In other words, it just, it just, t- it just told software. you, no, it just told you you're on the current firmware. So then you had some other people up in arms, and that added more confusion. But all that stuff's over now. They're not throttling anything anymore. They were trying to do something intelligent with that, right? They were, because they had uh, 850 Pro, or was it an 840 Pro or an 850 Pro firmware update that came out like a couple months back, and that was trying to brick drives initially, and they were The the idea here is that we don't want, if if the firmware does something that we did not expect and it's bad, we would rather it happen to 2,000 people a day than 10,000 people a day. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so or hundreds of thousands of people. Right, yeah. I don't think hundreds of thousands of people are updating their SSD firmware Probably on not. a daily basis, but that's the point, right? It's like, well, let's let's make sure we don't get ten nasty emails for the first five hundred people that download it. Yeah, when in fact we had fifty thousand people downloaded or something. So, so it was throttled, not anymore now. I mean, actually, just on the just a day or two ago, whatever the day was, right after that window. That range, like the 27th, I think. Yep, yep, um, April 23rd to 27th. Yeah, so on the 27th, like, I just updated in one of the 840 Evos on the storage test bed just by, you know, Magician prompted me automatically just on boot and said, hey, there's an update to Magician. And I did that. Okay. And then it said, so hey, there's done. an update to your SSD. And I just did that just to make sure that it all worked like it yeah. should, you know, for yeah. the average Joe, right? All that's good to go now. Um, it does what it's supposed to. There's a couple of issues. Now that there's an ISO out as well, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because the ISO is how people with Macs and people running Linux will update their 840 Evos. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're running Ubuntu or what what have you on Linux, you know, that version of Linux, mm-hmm. um, and you are either by default or because you have manually configured it, if you're doing an FS trim, which is basically Linux's, you know, send a trim to all the empty space of the drive command, if you do that, 
Linux does that in a queued fashion, and that new firmware seems to not like that very much. By not like that, it does what? Slows down or breaks the drive? It just, not well, it does weird stuff until you reboot, basically. Mm. Okay. It, it kind of like just overloads it, right? Um, Linux is more aggressive about issuing trim to SSDs than Windows is. I'm pretty sure all the way up to like the most current Windows, it only issues trim commands sequentially, not queued. Hmm. Um, Linux supports queued, so it can just throw like, you know, thousands of trim commands at the SSD simultaneously, basically, which seems to have an issue with that firmware. Hmm. I don't know more detail than that, other than there's a few Linux people that wrote us and said, "Hey, we're seeing this." You know, interesting. But to those people, I said, "Well, I mean, you're you're still okay, just." turn that feature off. You don't necessarily need to trim the whole SSD every time you boot. Like, it's not... It's kind of overkill, because... But then the, it looks like you've got bald patches. Well, the, so the, the OS... The OS should be... The OS should be taking care of that stuff as it goes along, as right. well. If you delete right. a file, it should trim that space, right? It's so... You know, it, you're pretty much covered, and you don't necessarily need to redo it. It's. I think people got stuck in that mentality of defrag your hard drive, defrag your hard drive. Right, and now it's like trim your SSD, trim your SSD, and it's it's not really defrag your SSD, defrag your SSD. No, 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 oh. don't do that. But what if I um, put like eight X twenty fives in RAID and then defrag it? X twenty five M's. It'd be like it would be like instantaneous, right? Uh sure, yes. You don't remember that video that I the do. guys got Intel to send them like eight or sixteen of those, and they it defragged was uh, them. it was it was other SS it was the Samsung drives or something they put no, like no, 40 no. of them it was, in a array 25 oh. in array but anyway anyway yeah now that i derailed this conversation um, perfect so that was that was one issue and then the other issue that's just kind of got people a little bit steamed up is that if you owned an MSATA 840 Evo you know so you have one in your laptop right they did make them they did sell probably a decent number of them uh, this update does not work on that one for some reason if you try to do it, it just says drive's not supported with the with like the ISO updater. Or if you try it with Magician, it just says you're on the current firmware. Hmm. Um, so I'm pretty sure there was a firmware um, for the MSAT of, for that same drive, basically, right. uh, on the last round. In other words, when they had the performance restoration tool and everything, like it did it then. Now it doesn't. And if you and even further, if you own an 840 Evo, that's the MSATA version right now, and you go to Samsung's site to try to download, you know, you can't even get to that middle firmware right mm-hmm. now because they they don't they no longer have the performance restoration tool up. Gotcha. Right, and you, so you're stuck basically two revisions ago. Well, it firmware. seems like there should be somebody in charge of this to just like make sure that stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. Like there should be. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Unless I've asked, there's some technical reason, some fundamental technology difference, some hardware revision difference that makes the MSATA slightly different than what the SATA is. I can't really think of why since like the last uh, firmware worked for it as well, right? And um, still nothing on the 840. And still nothing on the 840s. Cool, so cool, cool beans. We have questions to, to Samsung about the eight, original 840, although there's a stack of those now that have not been answered. And uh, there's... Um, Sweet, sweet, sweet. I mean, it was answered once, and they said that we hadn't seen... Those hadn't been reported. Clearly not us. the case anymore. Uh, yeah. And now here's we a have... Comment, here's a comment right here. Nothing on the 9 Evo 840. I'm tempted to defrag mine just to see if it will help. Uh, yeah. Hmm. 
So oh. there's that. Yeah, but Coley will do it with a hammer, so that doesn't really count. Um, hey, defrag's defrag, man. Yeah, I've also yeah. I've also asked them. You know, they said, "Hey, I've passed your question along. We'll get back to you about the MSATA drives." We're just waiting. Just waiting. Story of our hey, lives. Hey, you know what? You're right. Those were Samsung drives. I'm watching the video now. I'm sorry. The <laughs> guy with the red yeah. hair, who's the IT genius, defragged all those Samsung and said, drives. And said, look at how fast they go. To be fair, yeah, that was that same video. It was like 09, maybe. That was that same it video. It was 2009. That was the same video where they dropped the DVD of the movie out the window, right? And then while copying the movie... Like from the array to the array or something, yeah. and, <laughs> and it beat it right. Like before yeah. it hit the ground, like the file copied, and then they're like, "Oh, look, we'll run defrag. Oh, look at how quick it went." And I was just remember like, back in the day when we like a lot of people didn't know things about SSDs. Now, Josh, the the th- reason you might be mixing those two in your head is because when those guys were showing off with that video, that was the same. The podcast after that got popular is when I took four X twenty five M's. And, and had him in a raid, and while I was doing the podcast, I was pulling two hundred thousand IOPS mm-hmm. from those four to prove the point that the native, like the motherboard controller, scales way better on IOPS than all that stuff those guys connected, and they were only getting like sixty or eighty or maybe a hundred thousand IOPS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, "Yeah, you guys got like forty SSDs or whatever, or twenty hooked Psh, up." But losers, I did. I used four of the the crappier, like older ones, and got faster <laughs> because you know. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Jeremy, anything interesting about this Scythe Ninja Four other than its name? It's a cool well, name. It's, it'll be Maury's new love. Uh oh! So this thing how big is has it? Four <laughs> discrete sections to it. It's hard to see from that shot, but if you look at the, the we don't have the overhead shot, mm. but it, it's quartered. So that's why there looks like there's so many heat sinks because there is there's, there's heat, heat pipes. pipes there are down. a dozen of them. <laughs> Three of each going to a separate quarter of uh, them. Let me click through here and see what I find that other I don't, picture. I don't see. Ahead. I don't see why the number of quarters makes that much more. Yeah, keep scrolling down. Surface area. Nope. Nope. You know what I mean? There this one. Yeah. It's not a huge amount. It's certainly a very unique design. Looks There's like no way you're going to fit a fan in between those. No. But and I can't really read the, the weight airflow. to be able to tell you exactly how much this sucker is going to weigh. But I can guarantee it ain't going to be light. But it's got a ninja star on top. Oh, it does. Because, I it's, mean, it's, why do you even care what the airflow is like, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be silly. But, oh, sorry, there it is. 900 grams. So it's not going to be 900 as obscene as you might expect, but... It's a kilogram, it's, basically. It's going to be nice like because, years. as they sort of point out, for a 65-watt TDP CPU, this will probably handle it passively. 65-watt fanless? Yet, That's but, pretty nice. Yeah. I would think it would. And you can always slap on the fan, probably put a second one on the back if you get an adapter, and uh, <laughs> you probably keep things pretty darn cool with this thing. Jeremy, would you consider it a positive to have to buy a large case to c- passively cool a 60-watt processor? Like, you, you have to have a... like you, It's like, you can't get one of those thin... Like mini ITX, you got to go like a micro ATX case to fit some heatsink like this in there. But yeah. if you could do it passively, when is that a gonna, benefit? Yeah. When are we going to see that spinning heatsink? They said this year. Yeah. Okay. Computex, I think. They said it was going to be this year. Yeah. Computex. They promised you one of those. Because I want to oh. ride spinners. 
Ride spinners. <laughs> <laughs> See me rolling. But no, you slap this on that uh, ECX Z97 uh, PK mm-hmm. in the middle of that giant case with the angular cutout, assuming <laughs> you can fit the motherboard with a nice balance. Sure. It, it, why would you not build that system? That would be unique, I mm. guess. Mm. Interesting stuff. Scythe. Plus, they have a cool name, and it's called the Ninja. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to go wrong with that. Yeah. All right, picks of the week, everybody. Here we go. Uh, my pick of the week is actually a pick of the week. I think I've made this pick before, after we did the review. You might have. Of the Dell XPS 13, but this time I'm picking it again. Because you're spending your cash money. Validly, because I spent my own money to order one. Mm-hmm. So I, I had I'd used this. I've used several other uh, Broadwell-based laptops. I have several other from Lenovo and, and other guys in-house now, and I was kind of waiting to kind of see... You know, how do they stack what, what up? Was out this there. Like, yeah. what does the X1 Carbon look like? What does the XPS 13 look like? What does mm-hmm. the Lenovo, you know, the Yoga 3 Pro look like? Like, how do all these compare? And which one do I actually want to buy? Because it's been, I'm, I was on an, I'm on an Ivy Bridge notebook now that upsets me in some ways now. Um, so it's like, okay, now I'm going to spend actual of my own money on it. Mm-hmm. And I decided to buy a Dell XPS 13. Now, I did buy – this starts at $899. I bought the $999 configuration that has 8 gigs of memory instead of 4 gigs of memory. Smart. 1080p screen. Yeah, okay. The matte finish, non-touch screen because it extends that's battery life probably That's probably exactly what I would end up ordering. And uh, it comes with 128 gig SSD, but because we have access to SSDs here, I'm just going to throw in a, like one of the MSATAs that we have uh, in the office. So M.2 SATA. M.2 SATA, correct, not M.2 PCIe on this one. Although maybe we should try an M.2 PCIe just to see if it works. You think it has the lanes connected? I don't know that. I mean, that you could do that, right? We could try. So, um, Only one way to find out? We'll give that a shot. Uh, so I just, you know, I felt like, okay. Hey, you know, out of that entire CES group where we had hundreds of vendors, yeah, that was the thing that was the most interesting that we had seen, other than maybe that pet tracker. I will say that when we were walking around, what, what digital experience that we were at? Like, yeah, that's where you saw it the first time. I yeah, think. it's almost impossible for me to walk around that show and see something and go, "Wow!" Yeah, like be excited about it. But you were because really because what I'm Dell doing, had two products that you went, "Wow!" They, yeah, they had two Look of them. That. Actually, usually, actually, and they were there at that event. I don't think they're usually there. No, I are think they? Dell's usually there, but they're usually showing off Inspiron. I don't yeah, know like it's nothing interesting, right? But like, that's usually that's... how I feel about everything at that event because it's the last thing of the day, and I'm tired, and I'm walking around, and I'm like, yeah, God, oh, there's, there's so many things for me to look at. I can't possibly look at all of this. I'm just going to ignore everything, eat a eat a eat a hors d'oeuvre, have a beer, and I'm going to leave. Uh, but I just happened to walk by. Somebody was holding up the XPS 13, and I noticed the bezel around it. Or the lack of the lack of bezel around. I was like, this is really impressive. So, um, hopefully, in the not too distant future, I'll be sitting here with one of those instead. Instead of the that, year uh, that boat anchor, the year two thousand. Yeah, I I will say like I I flew to London and back. I could have really used a laptop that had good battery. Like you this, had to, you brought three. I brought three laptops. Uh, <laughs> but this laptop, to be fair, the X two thirty when I first bought it from Lenovo had amazing battery. Life. That's true. But this nine cell battery has been charged and discharged probably a million times. Well, it's like what three years old? Two years old? It's almost three years old. Yeah. I think I got it in June. It'll That's be basically you're down to like fifty percent of the life left yeah. on your. And and it yeah. shows. Yeah. Right? And and it's other things as well and whatever. So it, it was time to move on. Three years is two to two to two years is usually where I upgrade laptops. Three years was a stretch. Um, 
So, but I, I tell you what I'm going to miss. I'm already actually now that I think about it, I'm very sad. I the didn't keyboard for uh, the keyboard. Uh, yes, I will definitely miss the keyboard. But I have like four of these Lenovo chargers. Oh yeah. Right, so I've got one at the house all the time, one at the office all the time. Actually, one at one station, one at this station all the time, and then one in my backpack all the time. Right, so I always have it with me, and I'm not going to have that with the Dell. So that does make me a little sad. All right. But anyway, moving on. And your storage upgrade might well work because uh, today on the Inquirer they were talking about a guy down in Mexico who drilled a hole in his Surface Three. How you boys like Mexico? Installed a terabyte M SATA drive into it because hey, the the connector was there. So if there's an M two, he drilled a hole in it. Literally drilled the a hole the, the screen is bonded on the Surface Pro three. You can't take it apart mm. without breaking the screen unless you. Yeah, I fix it, hated it, and it also cracks, <laughs> which is just awesome. Drilling All right, Jeremy, what's your pick? Yeah. Ah, so you want a BB eight? You can get a BB eight. All you got to do is do a reverse cesarean on a Sphero. The guy took a Sphero. I don't know if you remember them. They were a little gadget toy from two Christmases ago. It's yep. a remote-controlled ball that we runs around. We saw a massive one at QuakeCon. Josh that, got in it. I so, rolled around like a gerbil. I this guy it. wrote a project on how to very carefully open one up with a hacksaw, insert oh, a yep, neodymium magnet, put it back together again, Make yourself a nice little top. Click the show all steps. View mm, all steps. Okay. Make your own little top. Attach another neodymium magnet in there with some felt so it gets a, a nice relatively frictionless movement across the top of the uh, Sphero. And damn it, you've got uh, yourself a wee little BB-8. All you need is access to a CNC machine and or a 3D printer. Well. And, and a hacksaw and vice, but, well, you yeah. know. I don't I feel have a like bit of artistic talent if you want it to actually look as good as this guy's did. But hey, we can project. Why the hell not? And for and Ryan, he was afraid to do it with a Sphero too because he hasn't torn one apart and they're a little bit expensive now. But hey, if someone wants to take up the challenge. And for Ryan, Sphero is making this for this holiday. Yeah, I got that because I've already signed up for letting <laughs> me know about the pre-order. <laughs> yeah. You but don't what have fu- to wait. What fun is just buying one? I'm looking at I'm looking at the Service Pro Three with the whole cut on the bottom. By the way, <laughs> yeah, That's pretty good, huh? He did it impressively. He was able to somehow yeah. cut the hole without getting metal shards all over the inside of. That sounds impossible. He machined Plasma it thin torch. enough to where it was basically paper thin, and then he just like pried and kind of peeled the aluminum or the metal, like. He basically made a like a flip top can lid thing out of it. Yeah, oh, it's 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 impressive. Yeah. That's but he did get a terabyte into his Surface Pro three that was only came with two fifty six gig. Buy like a USB drive. <laughs> no, that's boring. <laughs> Josh, what's your pick? What do you got for us? Uh, you know, uh, something surprising I came hope out not, this hope it's Monday. Not a racing game. Oh my what? god! Don't be another racing game. Oh, it's it's dirt. Yeah, it is. is it yeah. dirt? <laughs> Dirt Rally. Dirt Rally. I Dirt had rally, a feeling. Baby. I saw that come out, and I'm like, I bet that's Josh's pick of the week. It sure is. Is and, it really uh, that good? You know, I, I bought it, and uh, yeah, it's it's a very different Dirt experience than what we've seen like with Dirt 2 and Dirt 3. Dirt 2 and Dirt 3, one of the biggest things that people didn't like about it was that it was pretty arcadey, and that's true. There's a lot of Drifalo crap and, and Gymkhana and, and stuff that people just didn't really enjoy. They they 
wanted the rally experience. They want the real and, stuff. Yeah, and so they, uh, you know, I, I guess this would be the uh, the Ego 3.5 engine. It's not quite their next generation 4.0, but there's improvements. But they built this from the ground up to be a better simulation. It's still in early access, so there's Ugh. three areas, 36 stages, something like 17 cars. And so it's not a complete game, but they're adding every month. And the best part about that, you pay the 31 bucks now, and you get all the additions until they release the game fully for free. So you don't have to, you know, say, hey, here's another three bucks, here's another four dollars. No, they're 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 wanting early access guys to help them, you know, design this along. They're they're adding content each month until it's you know released in full. And uh, yeah, so far I I think it's 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 well worth the price. It's a lot more challenging. It f- feels more accurate. Uh, I'm running around in a 1960s mini car, and it handles like crap. Mini Cooper. And so you have to, you have Cooper. to really pay attention to what you're doing, and you know shifts are incredibly important, and then you got to know when to brake and when to accelerate. It, it, it sounds like rally. It really is. It and well, I mean, as close as I'm going to get with my thirty-one dollars. Hey, did you know the Steam controller has its own page now? Like it's no. a, it's an actual product on the uh-huh. Steam now. Wow. Release date available November. That's a render. What? Well, yeah, it's animating <laughs> on the screen. So, so were all those screenshots from Dirt Rally. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a render. It's like a game promo Jeez. video. Jeez, freaking! Yeah. You, you try steering with a rendered controller. It is more difficult. Uh, just use a Connect. Alan. And yes, I use a steering wheel and not a handhold controller because You're these the racing games dumb down handhold controllers because you just don't have yeah, the degrees true. of freedom that a full wheel yep. has. And so it, it auto drives for you when you've got a handheld controller. Thank you. Anyway, yeah. Alan, what's your pick? So uh, I want to be able to find stuff faster. Okay. You know, files Google. and stuff. Google.com. No, no, no. Google doesn't work on my, like, local oh. storage. Right? Didn't, wasn't like, there a time where that was a thing? The appliance? Is that what that is? I don't think that was just to index all the files on your NAS. I thought there was a thing that you could... Somebody yeah, that was the appliance. Remind me. Wasn't there something you could install if you on your If you kept everything computer? on Google Drive. Oh, that thing? They, I think they depreciated the that other thing. The Google search engine thing. Yeah, wasn't there something like you can install on your computer? You yeah. Can, okay, never mind. Anyway, go ahead. This is back when like Microsoft Search was like a big deal too, and everything. And Remember all when Microsoft stuff. was going to have an SQL based file system? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on. What's your pick have to do with FS? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so this is a tool, free piece of software. You install it. It installs like a service thing that runs in the background. Mm-hmm. Puts a little icon next to your clock. You, like double click on the icon, gives you a little you know search box there. Uh, it's a wheeled search. It's like instantaneous. Like as you're typing each letter, like the results are, you know, dwindling down. Right, and initially shows you everything that's in the index. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about this is, like, the idea is just to you know find your files. But the it's the way that it does it. Right, um, it's able to index NTFS partitions that are local to you almost instantly. So we have over a million files on the file server here. And before the podcast, I put this tool on there, and the first time it ran, it took eight seconds to index over a million files 
that totaled like seven terabytes or, or whatnot. So how can it do that and, and Windows itself be really bad at it? Because it is reading the indexes directly off the partition. It's bypassing Windows. It's reading the work that Windows already did? No, it's reading the index alone. Like when you do a search in Windows, it looks, it. I don't know why it does this, but it looks at a whole bunch of other stuff while it's doing the search. Right? Their it emails will come It up. does not just go, all right, where's the master file table? Here's the master index of root. Where's the indexes that come off of that? Okay. There's got to be a reason for that. Well, because this is only looking for, like, file names. You can't search inside of files. No. Okay. Okay. Um, Still, that's yeah. very handy. So it's able to build the index extremely fast if it's an NTFS drive, right? Even if it's, like, a network share... What if you have 50,000 small files? Well, this would actually... Do, that would work fine? That would work okay, fine. Cool. This would find them just fine. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. If you're trying to copy them across a network, that's going to be slow, but this, you can find them really fast, right? Yeah. Um, so when you um, want to find out your, your GPU testing files... Maybe you did. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you want to find that, that one text file with the metadata in it. Yeah. So... Um, can this look inside zip files, Alan? No. Oh. No. Uh, so other cool stuff that this thing does... Is uh, you know, it can search like multiple drives. If you're one of those people that has a bunch of external USB drives, and all your random stuff is like connected to, like six different drives to your system or something. Yeah. And, which I know a few people that do that still. Uh, this would just index all of them. And did you say it could do network shares? It does, but it ha- but it can't search those immediately. Hmm. Right. It has to search those the long way. Has to be local right? for it to search immediately. Um, but it does keep its own index, right? So you can set it to do like at th- I think the default is three a.m. It'll scan that network share, right? So when hopefully nobody's trying to actually use your network. So you would get instant it. results in that case, but there's a chance it could be outdated. There's a chance it could be outdated. The, yeah, okay. it try okay. it tries to keep an eye on it and see if something changed, but you know it's that's only so good, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, all in all, it's like extremely fast, right? I mean, you're talking like over a million files, and you're just like every time you t- hit a letter the list changes of the results, right? right? right. So it's not like Windows search is a totally different proposition. You ever try to do, like, search my whole computer it's like a for something? JavaScript, like, filter search. It's like searching on Google. It is, yeah, yeah, it yeah, is yeah. basically, okay. except it's local to you, so it's even faster than that. And this actually. is, where? What is this Void Tools? Is Void Tools is the company that makes it. The name of the program is Everything. Everything Search Engine. Yeah. Probably really easy to find inside a it's, search It's kind of hard. You might want to... What's, yeah. what's the URL? Uh, voidtools.com, I believe. Voidtools.com it is. Yep, voidtools.com. Um, yeah, I mean, that name is kind of, you know, weird. Sure, whatever. Like, you know, it, 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 makes, their, it makes their support page look a little interesting because, like, it, they tell you how to install everything and how to use everything. <laughs> Installing everything. Using everything. Yeah. Command line um, options for everything. Yes, uninstalling <laughs> everything. So I don't want to do that. Use all the things. You know, I don't want to um, uninstall everything. Yeah. So the name's a little weird, no. but like it's just <laughs> from the control panel. Open programs and features. Right click everything. Yes, <laughs> just right click everything. <laughs> no, no, don't do that, mom. <laughs> What's no. wrong with you? Right click everything. You just do on, it. You set uninstall. I hope everything. you need admin privileges to install this. I don't want that support call. Everything.exe slash uninstall. Like that's that one could possibly go wrong. That seems legitimate. No, um, that's no problem with that. Uh, yeah, but you know, other than that, pretty cool tool. All right, yeah. all right, everybody. That's going to wrap up 
this episode of the PC Perspective Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, again, if you want to watch the show, we record live. PCPer.com slash live is the URL we do that at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And if you want to sign up for those email newsletters that give you just, just updates, it's all we use for is updates from when we're going to stream live, uh, PCPer.com slash subscribe. And now, if you've never, if this is your first podcast, it's very disappointing for you. If you go to PCPer.com slash podcast, you can find all the previous episodes that were way better than the one we did today. Uh, and all the forthcoming ones will be way better, too. So if mm-hmm. you go to that URL, you can subscribe to the RSS feed. You can download the files. You can listen to it through SoundCloud. Uh, you can find the YouTube videos. Show notes. Show notes are on there for all the stories we talked about today and all the hardware software picks that we went over as well. So uh, lots of neat stuff there. So PCPer.com slash podcast is the URL for that. Uh, and otherwise, I think we're ending now. And we will see you next week. I'm Ryan Schramm. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walker. And I'm Alan Malatani. Bye.